Thanks for tuning into Upward Way podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is the principal of Remnant Preparatory School, UK Division, as well as the Sunlight Rep for Europe, Africa, and the Middle East. Angela Woodburn, welcome to Upward Way. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you, Brother Marlon. Yes, it's a joy having you, and I know that you have quite a story to share with us today. Without further ado, could you just share with us your faith journey? You know, how, how it is that you actually came to being a Christian? Okay, so um, I'm based uh, presently in the United Kingdom, um, specifically in England. Um, my journey actually starts back in Jamaica, the Caribbean islands of Jamaica. And um, that journey sort of began initially actually with my mother who was invited to a 13 Sabbath program in the children's division at church and she loved it so much she was about nine that she shared it with her mother my grandmother and grandfather and the rest of the family so it kind of began there and then as my mom came over with the family to England then uh, she continued to bring us up in in the way of the faith So um, I was born in England, obviously, as I said, Jamaican heritage. So continued on. We grew up um, in England in the 70s. I won't say too much. That'll give my age away. (laughs) But we grew up in the 70s. And um, I grew up with my brothers at home and my mother. Um, We had a very strong, vibrant, extended family, which included cousins, uncles, aunties, and grandparents. And so we um, were brought up in in that way. Um, Going on a little bit, how did my journey, I said how it began with my mother, I think the connections continued on as we as a family would continue to have family worship at home was lots of music in our home. I grew up uh, with my brothers playing instruments, making toys, <laughs> making instruments from different things. Um, but, but then singing, we, we would sing in uh, three-part harmony. And with my brothers, we had different groups growing up in the church called New Devotion, Seven Steps to Heaven. We had all these different names for our groups. And um, I continued to sing, which later was on my journeys, had an impact on my own family. And in fact, even who I married, you know, my husband as well. And so we continued. I loved singing. That was a really integral part of our spiritual journey. Um, Grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist church. And I was baptized at 16 at the age, even before that. I just loved the Lord. I loved anything and everything spiritual and just wanted, I had a thirst for spiritual things. I wanted to find out more about um, the Bible and who God was and who Jesus is. I do admit, I definitely had some misconceptions. You know, there was a time when I went through a phase where I saw God as somebody who was just 
watching us all the time to see if we did anything wrong. And so I'm so glad that that over time was definitely greatly um, dismissed as I realized that um, God is a loving God and Jesus um, coming to be my best friend. So that's, I think that's my earliest years and my background. My early years were very enjoyable, um, very carefree. I was one girl amongst my brothers. So that was nice because I kind of, I was treated. I definitely had special treatment, but my brothers were fine about it. Um, I was the only girl. So that, it's just how it was. We all had our special place, but, you know, the younger brother, the older one. So we all had different parts. But yeah, that's been my early background and my journey being introduced to Christianity and me making my decision. It sounds also exciting as if it was <laughs> in the old fun. Mm-hmm. Let me just ask a question with regards to, you know, sometimes people, like I said, for you, it sounds so fun, but there are some persons who have this conception. I, I dare say misconception that it's really a dull experience, you know, <laughs> being a, a Christian. <laughs> But mm-hmm. you know, your, your story sounds so fun. So how, what would you say to, you know, let's say a young person who thinks, okay, mm-hmm. I need to go and live life based on mm-hmm. what you have experienced. What would you say to such an individual? Wow. Okay. So saying that they want to go out, I mean, away from Christianity, do you mean? Maybe they are thinking, you know, I am young, so this is not the time to give my heart to God. I need to enjoy some life first. But for you, you said, you know, from you were young, this was your setting and you seem to have been just enjoying it. Yeah, you know, I say that because I absolutely enjoyed my childhood and being brought up, but it wasn't perfect by any means. So I saw the effects and influences of other things as I would have deemed worldly I saw the effects of alcohol um, on family members um, extended family members I saw the influence of smoking of violence and other things that just were not that pretty but because of this I couldn't see any other way to sort of uh, follow those things that I saw that was kind of it wasn't Uh, what we were brought up to that wasn't what the bible taught and so for me I couldn't see any attraction in that because I saw the devastating effects of it there was a story I was going to say that I read when I was growing up called Pollyanna I think and and that story was she was glad 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 and so I must admit I've had the tendency not always to be glad 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 but you know if I see that the mindset of sort of seeing if the glass is um you know, there's water in it, it's half full rather than half empty. I I think seeing the effects on other people's lives and those around me really drew me. It kind of pulled me into into the arms of Christ and and wanting Jesus to be my best friend because he was the only person that I could see that was um, consistent. Wonderful. So even as a youngster, you had, would say, a steady head (laughs) on your butt. (laughs) That is tremendous. Talking about, you know, looking at that effect, you know, people tend to invest a lot of time in developing their bodies, pursuing their careers, among other things. And oftentimes the Spurgeon dimension is really missing or it's lacking. How do you actively pursue your own spiritual growth? Yeah, that's really important. I found there were times in my life when I didn't feel like doing spiritual things like reading my Bible or praying that it would actually bring me into a discouraging place. 
So again, for me, it's, it's a case of Jamaican saying, if you can't hear, you'll feel so that type of thing. So for me, it was, again, realizing that the despair and the despondency and discouragement that would result from not being in that spiritual walk. It's, it's almost like we have this God space that can only be filled by spiritual things. So to encourage my Christian journey, it's definitely daily devotions um, or daily worship and prayer. I have a prayer list um, or a prayer book, actually. It's not just a paper. I have a prayer list and I've had it for years and I've actually gone through several books. You can see who I was praying for at different times by looking in my book. I'd write the date, write the name of the person and what the need is that I'm asking. And then I recently have a space where I say how that prayer was answered. So that's encouraging, not just for me, because our spiritual journey and our spiritual walk is not just about us. It's about those that are around us and who we impact. And, and obviously being a mother, being a wife, a mother of three, <laughs> one husband. <laughs> yeah. So on that journey, definitely my personal daily devotions, which I've also encouraged my children. Um, they're now young people, um, 19, 22, 24. And um, there's that voice um, directed them and helped them along with myself to have the personal worship and devotion. But then also we come together as a family. So my prayer list, reading the Bible, I try and memorize um, scripture. Um, Psalms 27, other than the Lord's Prayer, was one of the earliest Psalms that I uh, memorized. And I had done it years earlier and I would read it every single night until I memorized it but then I realized that I had another version and it sounded a bit different so I'm currently going over that one again so that I have it clear with with the different versions there and then to help me and to help the family in our devotions as well and we do have family worship every day and we're currently going through Adventist home as a family Quite a lot, quite a lot. You know, when you talk about having, you know, children who are young people and you did mention their age, <laughs> I, some persons who listening will be saying, what? But you sound <laughs> as if you are just in your 20s. <laughs> Sometimes I feel as if I'm in my 20s and other times I definitely don't. But yes, um, God has, has blessed us. Um, I can't say what it is other than trying to follow God's health plan as much as possible, because I haven't always been well. Um, there have been times when I've been quite sickly in my teenage years. And so I'm, I made that covenant with the Lord to follow his health laws as much as possible. Um, you know, nutrition, exercise, water, sunlight, temperance, air, rest, and trusting God. That's one way of saying it, the new, the new start way. And our family, I think we do have some young genes. So I think I can only attribute it to God's um, his favor, his supernatural favor, and um, just trying to follow as much as possible his health laws. Thank you. Quite a mouthful. And you just touched on something pretty important, taking care of your health. Later on, I'll give you an, an opportunity to maybe get back into talking about that a little bit. I just wanted to um, touch on your, your work. You are the principal of the school or the UK division. You know, what is your day-to-day activities like? Yes, so Remnant Preparatory School is a virtual or online school. And I was asked to join this school as a principal 
in, I was actually asked in 2018. And it was an interesting time because in 2018, obviously my youngest was a few years younger and I was just finishing home education. We home educated our children for about 17 years. Again, that gives my age away, doesn't it? Yeah. So we home educated them for a while. And so from that journey, continuing on from there, um, we, I'm in touch with a lot of families, um, mainly because of our homeschool journey. And so you're probably thinking, uh, Remnant Preparatory School, how does that come into it? But it really wouldn't have begun if I hadn't started on the journey of, of home education. And so as we home educated our children, we came in touch with a lot of families. Then um, another friend of myself, Arlene, we started a ministry over 10 years ago, about 15 years ago, called True Education Ministries. And what we wanted to do was really just um, help families in the way that we'd been helped. So we were home educating as we came across resources, some of my favorite books, some of my books by Sutherland and others in the book education, as we came across these things, we would share them and share our experience with other families. And so because of that, one particular family that we came in touch with, um, in contact with, he later, after a visit to our home, because we would have home meetings, um, home workshops where families literally would come with their children. They would see our resources and things that we were using, meet our children, meet the family. And we just encourage each other. So I met a particular brother and his family and um, he went away over to America. And when he went there, he contacted me in 2018 and said, and his sister, we're really interested in um, having a UK division and you being the principal for it. And at the time, I must admit, I was like, um... I think I'm okay for now. <laughs> I'm just finishing home educating the children. I'm kind of still in that, that mode. And although a qualified teacher, um, I was became a qualified teacher in my early 20s and taught in special education for quite a few years. So I had the background in teaching and then home educated my own children uh, with that journey. He, he knew my background, so he knew my experience. And, um, and he knew also the connection with homeschooling families. And at the time, I didn't realize that he actually was actually the answer to a prayer, because I had prayed and said, although I've come from a, uh, or mainstream, I should say, background in education, and in teaching, one of my prayers was that I would be able to work with Adventist families in a homeschool setting. So this literally was an answer to prayer without me realizing it. So it was after um, a few months, I went um, away to Nigeria for some prison ministries. And I met another sister there who actually was working at this school in America. And from meeting her, I then went on to accept the, the position for the director of the UK division of the Remnant Preparatory School. And so that continued our journey. And so many of our students that came to Remnant Preparatory School were actually from um, the homeschool families that, that we knew. So all of the students that first joined us in 2019, we knew already. We knew the parents, we knew the siblings. And so that was wonderful because it was like this huge family. And so my daily activities connected with Remnant Preparatory School, at the moment we are on our summer break, we start back again in September. But an average school day is uh, working with the students and we have teachers as well. I must admit, I'm one of the few, I guess, maybe principals that teaches as well. I love teaching. It's been a passion again over the years. And so a typical day would be 
Uh, we start around nine o'clock and then we have four classes each day, Monday to Friday. And we cover all the subjects that you will cover in any school from maths to English. Um, we do history, geography and prophecy. We start every morning with Bible and worship. And we encourage the families also to, to attend that time in our different various classes. Um, we have about six teachers, seven teachers at the moment. Some are very specific. We have an additional class of Hebrew where we have a wonderful family in Israel. The husband is a pastor and the wife, she teaches Hebrew for all our classes. So she will do that over the terms. And um, we're just a wonderful family. We've grown since 2019 from around 25 students in our first year. And that varied up a little and down to um, 2020-21 school year. We're at about 20, 65 students now. And so we'll start again in September. And we're looking forward to it. We, we just um, also had a trip where we were able to meet each other because we're usually online it was just wonderful to meet each other in person and you had the little the younger classes meeting their teachers and some of the younger teachers uh they call them auntie and so they'll be like auntie you know auntie Julie's, auntie Alana, auntie you know and and different things like that so it's wonderful meeting in person and so yeah it really is an answer to a prayer and a blessing to be a part of the remnant preparatory school which is really preparing our, our children uh preparing the young people also not just for life here, but for eternity. And all our classes are Bible-based in the sense that we don't just do a subject in an abstract way. Um, woven throughout is um, the Bible, uh, Bible principles in every single subject that we do, which may sound strange to some, but um, this is, you know, the way the Lord has led. And in Remnant Preparatory School, having that head start in years before us, you know, a good six years. They started in America with Mr. and Mrs. Ortiz, and um, they really have paved the way. And I also believe that the Lord led us on this journey. All that we did before was really preparing us to be a part of this amazing journey to help to, to train young people and to work with the families. We're very much a family school as well in that we encourage all our teachers to work closely with the parents as well as the children and as they work with their children because they're still considered to be home-educated children or students. For many, that would be, would say, mind-boggling. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when you compare, as you mentioned, Remnant Preparatory School, the curriculum, mm -hmm. and do a comparison with mainstream education, you can just see the difference. And as you say, it's about preparing the children not just for service in this life you know mm -hmm. but also in the life to come which is we expect them to make it into heaven you, you mentioned initially about that uh, curriculum that you helped to, to to put together when you were educating your, your your own children did you say the adventist home educator wow yeah the curriculum is actually called the Sunlight Curriculum or Sunlight Education Curriculum. And I didn't have any part in putting it together, but I wish I had. But I definitely, um, we're a part of um, distributing it and being a representative of it and also using it. So the Sunlight Education Curriculum is based on the Bible. 
it's absolutely every single subject is woven in with a spiritual concepts and ideas so you know you're learning about the heart but you're not just learning about the heart physically in in health you're learning about the heart itself and you know the scriptures that go with the heart so we we look at everything in a dual way from the literal and the spiritual as well it's about the holistic development of the mm-hmm. students all right now in terms of you you did say um this work that you're doing now as principal of the uk division of the remnant preparatory school would be an answer to prayer there are many persons who struggle with that concept you know God is speaking to me, but how do I know God is speaking to me? I can't see him physically, all of that. Mm. So based on your own personal experience, how do you say God most often speaks to you? Or let me say, what method does he usually use whenever he communicates with you? Okay. Yeah. So in many ways, um, I'll give um, an example. Sometimes the Lord will speak to me directly with a voice that I can hear and only I can hear. (laughs) Um, And I know it's not my own voice. And I'll give you an example. There was a time when I was actually going away to to Scotland, which is, you know, about six hours drive from where we are. Um, Scotland's a part of the United Kingdom. And I was actually going away with a good friend of mine in ministry as well, uh, Jasmine, um, she later joined the ministry. I mentioned True Education Ministries, and we were going to do a seminar in Scotland. It was our first seminar where we were going to be doing a week seminar. We were going to share the principles of true education in practice using primarily uh, the Sunlight Education curriculum and also My Bible First, um, which are wonderful tools and resources for families. Anyway, so we were going to do a week seminar families were coming along. We hadn't met the families yet. And we were going to be spending a lot of time with them. So we would have worship together. We would be staying in a a, a residential building. Um, We'd be eating together. We'd be going out in nature together. So we drove up and we'd been driving for quite a few hours, maybe like six, seven hours. We were really tired. Uh, We got there a little bit late. Um, When we got there, I was thinking, oh, maybe they're going to ask us to do our seminar in the morning. You know, we won't start now. And when we got there, they were eager for us to start. So I was getting a bit nervous now. I am actually quite shy by nature, but people just don't believe me. I don't know why, but I am actually quite shy. So I saw all these people, families, you know, children. um, There was about maybe 25, 30, um, but I didn't know any of them. We'd spoken to a few of the families, but hadn't met them in person. And when we got there, one of the brothers was very, very confronting to me. I didn't realize later that this was actually his way of teasing and he was a bit of a joker. But he sort of said, what time do you call this? Do you think you're going to do this, uh, you know, the seminar now? And he really and I just froze and I nearly cried. I was like, why? And I think what it was is the stress of driving, rushing to get there, finding this place, a beautiful place in Scotland, actually called Three Angels Farm. Uh, but it was really remote and we had got a little bit lost getting there, but we had got there. And so I was quite uh, daunted and this fear just struck me. So um, this fear struck me when he said that. And I remember thinking, oh no, how am I going to spend a whole week with these people? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, and I just lost faith. I lost hope. I lost everything. I didn't 
didn't quite lose my faith, but I was discouraged. And so we did a little devotional with the families. We didn't do our full presentation. And I went to bed that night so discouraged. And I prayed and I said, Lord, I don't want to be here. I want to go. These people, what's going to happen? And I just felt so inadequate. But, you know, I prayed that night and I really was, don't know where this fear came from. I do believe it was probably the enemy trying to discourage us because in the end we had a blessed week. It was a wonderful week. But I went to sleep that night and I prayed and asked the Lord to help me um, and just to set my mind straight and and to, to give encouragement. I could see everybody around me appearing to be okay, but I didn't. So I went to sleep and I prayed. And when I woke up in the morning, this is how the Lord spoke to me. I just heard these words as I literally opened my eyes and the words I heard were, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And that's literally what I heard. And that was an answer to prayer. That was the Holy Spirit speaking to my mind. And he was telling me, don't be afraid. Fear not, because I'm going to be with you. And that was, it was amazing. Because as I was hearing it, it wasn't my own thoughts. As I heard these words spoken, I was like, the Lord is speaking to me, you know, and it was amazing. And I didn't interrupt it. I just listened. And that was it. I was like, praise the Lord. Thank you. And I was encouraged. I knew the Lord was going to be with me. I knew we were doing his work and I knew it was the enemy trying to discourage us. So that's one of the ways the Lord speaks to me through the word. But again, many, much of the time it is through the scripture speaking to me. I'll give one more example. Another time um, I was leaving home. And I was going to go out to visit a friend. She was someone who I had worked with. She wasn't Christian, but she had been searching. And as I was just going to leave the house, it came very clearly to my mind, take a Bible for Karen. That was the name of my friend, take Bible for Karen. And I thought, Lord, why am I going to take? And I remember, I didn't say Lord, I sort of answered back. So, you know, sometimes you hear a voice and you think it's your own thoughts, but you're answering it back. And usually my to and fro, I realized, hang on, I'm not. I'm not talking to myself because these are not my thoughts. I'm not telling myself this. So the words were, um, take a Bible for Karen. And I was like, why don't you take a Bible for Karen? She didn't ask for a Bible. And I thought, I don't know. And then it said, take the Bible for Karen. You know, <laughs> sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And he has to speak more than once. So I took the Bible off the shelf and I looked at it. And it was one of these Bibles that had, um, it was a Revelation seminar Bible. So it had different things on it, like, Wayne scales it had the world and it had it was very colorful on the front and but I opened it and I realized this is my bible that's really well marked up like there was highlights there was underlinings there was studies additional notes at the end but a voice I was very convicted that it wasn't my voice um, but it was the Lord speaking to me so I took the bible with me and I thought oh, I'll take it anyway we'll see when I went to visit my friend I had the bible and I didn't give it to her straight away but we were talking about different things And then she told me of an experience that she'd had where she was quite afraid. And I just, it came back to me and I said, oh, in the Bible, it talks about God protecting us and covering us with his feathers in Psalms 91. And she said, oh, oh, I've never heard of that. And I said, yeah, it's in the Bible. I took out the Bible and I read it to her and she was so encouraged. And then I said, you know, you can have my Bible. You can have this. And she said, really? Thank you so much. And she flicked through it. And all the markings that she saw throughout this Bible, she said, I love it because this shows it's 
belong to you. It's a personal Bible. It's your experience. And she was so encouraged. And I left my Bible with her that day. So that's some of the ways the Lord has spoken to me. What I like about that second story particularly is mm. that you took the Bible, you know, following God's instructions, but you didn't just take it and say, okay, here is a Bible. And that is important because though the Lord calls us, he has a work for us to do. He also says that we should be wise as serpents. Mm. So as you interface with her, then the opportunity came. And that was when you were able to interject. So I've learned something from that experience that we should be patient, even though God mm. has given us specific instructions. Now I'm going to transition into, you know, I would say the difficult aspects of life because that's something that breaks many persons' faith whenever they face challenges. So in your case, you know, what would have been maybe one of the most challenging experiences you would have had in your own life? And then what would have been your strategy, if I should say, for overcoming that particular challenge? I have had many life experiences and, and they do challenge us. Um, and sometimes they send us straight to the Lord. And other times, you know, the Lord is waiting there patiently for us while we're doing our thing, <laughs> running away from him. One of, uh, I think, my experiences of, of challenges and testing my faith has been over the years um, with sickness, particularly when I was a teenager, I suffered quite a lot from asthma. I would have asthma attacks at the most inconvenient times and I would have to be hospitalized. And um, it all began with a school trip when I went away. And on this school trip, it was an outward bound course. I was about 15, 16. And um, we were all doing mountain climbing, potholing, all these extreme outdoor things that I wasn't actually quite used to. And not in the cold weather either. If I chose, I would not have gone out in the snow, hiking up mountains and things. And so while on this trip, many of us had got quite, we'd have all got sort of chesty coughs. I think we found out later some of us had chest infections and, you know, but we, we'd had different coughs and colds. So this one particular day, um, we were on the mountain and we were on our way back, but we were, there's this group of us, uh, me and a couple of friends were really struggling and we were at the end of the whole group and they were saying, keep up, keep up, a blizzard's coming, it was snowing and we were trudging through this snow and I just felt so ill and a few others, you know, we were tired, but we eventually, we did get through it. We didn't get caught in the blizzard or caught on the mountain. However, when we got back to the dorm, the residence that we were staying in, we were drinking. And at the time, probably wasn't drinking the best thing. But um, I realized now that it actually relaxes your diaphragm. I think it is. I was drinking hot chocolate with biscuits and, and probably chocolate and lots of milk. Definitely wasn't that healthy, which is why I made a covenant with the Lord after that. But we were drinking these things. And for some reason, I had my drink, had the biscuit. But because I had this cold as well, I just started coughing just uncontrollably. But because I'd had a biscuit at some point as well, one of my friends thought that I was choking. So they called the teacher in who was with us, who was the PE teacher. And she very well meaning she thought I was choking she grabbed my legs turned me upside down onto her knees and started banging my back mercilessly to dislodge this so-called 
I literally felt as in my throat. Well, I was coughing. And, and then when I finally stopped coughing and she thought she had done her job, I sat up and I was in a worse condition. Now I was wheezing and she just thought for the moment, I wasn't wheezing very loudly at first, but they thought, well, maybe it's just, you know, a slight anomaly, but at least what's in her throat has gone. I couldn't even talk at that point to say, no, I wasn't choking on anything. I was just coughing from, you know, this cold that I had. But she was obviously was a little bit concerned being a first aider. And she said to one of my friends, I remember her name to this day, um, Julie Brown, I think it was. And she was asked to watch me and um, just keep an eye on me. Um, so we, we all went to bed. Everybody was very somber. And um, I began to wheeze like more loudly uh, with a wh- high whistling noise. And I was having labored breathing. It was getting quite difficult to breathe. And um, she very wisely went and called the teacher and said, you know, something's really wrong. They came in. And by then I'm having this full blown asthma attack. I'd never had asthma in my life. Although my brother had suffered from um, asthma when he was younger and he'd had pneumonia. I was rushed to the hospital and there they said that I had a collapsed lung. Well, I didn't have a collapsed lung before I had the drink. So unfortunately, this very well-meaning teacher had collapsed my lungs, but also whatever the damage had done, I had a chest infection as well. Um, and from then on, I, I had asthma. My friends, when they went home um, and I had to stay in a hospital in these Welsh mountains, I met some lovely Welsh people who were just adorable. But this experience really, it challenged me in a way that it was very unexpected And I was quite unwell. I was quite ill for a while because not being able to breathe is a a really awful experience. And so they'd give me lots of drugs and steroids and different things. And I thought, okay, when I'm out of hospital, when I get back to England, I'll be okay. But I was off school for several weeks. It was between four to six weeks. It was a long time. So it was a long recovery. And during that recovery, you know, because the issues with the chest infection and the breathing and my collapsed lung, I wasn't able to walk very quickly. I could only take really slow steps. So I learned patience. I learned to depend on the Lord, but I also was so, for want of a better word, disabled, I'd say in the sense that I just couldn't do what I would, you know, your mind tells you it's okay, I'm going to get up, but my body wasn't responding. And so during that time, I was very, confined to bed or to one space for a long time and because it was such a difficult experience I remember um, asking the Lord just to help me to recover and in recovering um, I said that I would serve I would serve him fully and I would follow his health laws if he gave me back my health because I'd seen others in fact we'd had stories of others who were sick with asthma Um, in this way and their lives were totally changed they couldn't hardly do anything I was told I would never lead a normal life I was told I'd be on medication for the rest of my life but I was saying I serve the God of heaven and my mom as well a praying woman she was on you know she's just a prayer warrior she even is still now and um, I remember just um, trusting the Lord and my mom would always say this prayer where she would pray for a double portion of supernatural favor And that's what I asked for then. And God in his mercy got me through it. And now, um, years later, I don't suffer from it. I did have a few episodes afterwards. It it challenged my faith. It gave me patience. And it 
made me really realize um, how precious life is and health as well. I found something a little bit, you know, hilarious in what you <laughs> said. You said that well-meaning, you know, teacher actually collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she was very well-meaning. She was a lovely lady. She didn't have the correct information. <laughs> Just to get back a little, you know, if you can recall, you know, how did you feel during that those weeks when you realized you you know you were unable to move freely? You had to miss school. You know, were you feeling down? Were you feeling depressed? Yeah, how were you feeling? Mm. If you can recall. Yeah, I was very discouraged because I thought I would be up and about quicker. And really, I as I say, when I say I had a hard lesson in patience, I really did because I'm an up and go person. And I wanted to be doing, and I just couldn't understand. It didn't make sense. I had an asthma attack. What's that got to do with my legs? Why can't I get up? Why can't I do what others are doing? But the fear, I had a fear then as well. My greatest fear was that I would not be able to get back to normal, to normal life, to doing what I was doing before. And that was a trial in itself because after I prayed that prayer to the Lord, I had to really depend a lot on faith to believe that I was going to be okay. I think with many things in life, we underestimate the power of our mind. And if we don't think we're going to get well, or we don't think it's going to be okay. And if we have down discouraging thoughts that will, what's the word, invade your brain, which they do, you're not going to be okay. You're never going to be as you were before. Actually, you may not even survive this. You're going to be on this sofa in your mom's house in, at home for a long time. And so those sort of thoughts, I really had to, I began to claim promises from the word of God. And in my Bible, my well-marked Bible, I've got a few of them, but I would always put a P where I'd find promises. And um, some of those promises, there's a really encouraging one that I find said fear thou not that was Isaiah Isaiah 41 10 but also another one in Corinthians first Corinthians you know the word of God really became like what I breathe and you know just became my encouragement so in first Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 it tells us that therefore hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above um, what you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So I knew that. Yeah. Wonderful. It, it's good when we can really find a cushion, you know, to lean on. And in your case, it, it has been the word of God. I want you to do something for me just now. You know, there are individuals who may doubt when we talk about God, his existence, what he has done in our lives, what he's doing in our lives. What would you say to someone who is experiencing doubt in their own personal life just now? I think what I would say is what I did, which is cry out to the Lord. The Lord really will answer you. Sometimes he doesn't answer us in the way that we think. Sometimes we expect an audible voice, like I heard that morning when I woke up being fearful or sometimes we we have expectations of God but I would definitely say cry out to the Lord and he will answer you but just don't be 
Um, don't be specific and have assumptions in how you expect it to. Sometimes you can, but I think sometimes if we think that, that God has to do things our way, then we can, you know, but just cry out to the Lord and tell him your doubts, tell him your fears, tell him what you're struggling with. He knows anyway, you know, but just tell him if, when we're discouraged, when we're down, say that we're down, say that we're struggling and, um, and he finds amazing ways. Sometimes he uses people as well. Um, I didn't touch on that earlier. Sometimes he's used others who will pray for you or pray with you or just give you an encouraging word. Um, and so God has got a thousand ways that we know not of. And he really, he's just chasing after us. I would say if you're doubting, try him. He says, come, prove me. I love the scripture when it says, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be of a scarlet, you know, they can be a snow. And that's not an equal bargain. You know, we're sinful. God is holy, but he still says, come, let's reason together. So I would say, call out to the Lord, pray to the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, to the creator, call out, call out in the name of Jesus, cry out to the Lord and see what he's going to do. He's waiting to answer us and to prove us. And he wants to have a relationship with us. I'd say don't give up. He hasn't given up on us. He doesn't give up on us. So just keep calling out to the Lord. And I have to re-echo that scripture verse you mentioned, Isaiah 1 verse 18, I believe. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your mm-hmm. sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. You're a busy lady. <laughs> you have <laughs> quite a few hats. You know, you did mention you're the wife of one husband, having a three <laughs> children, being, you know, principal and of course uh, leading out in different capacities in your church. How do you maintain balance? How do I maintain balance? It's it's funny because people have often asked me that. And one of the things is, in my mind, I, I actually don't see it as being difficult only because this is it. Going back to that experience that I had in sickness when I was so ill and I couldn't do anything. So some people that might not be frustrating, but that was so frustrating for me. But one of the things I promised is, Lord, as I said, if you give me my health, I will work for you. And all I can say is that over the years, the Lord has literally, he's laid on my heart, um, things to do or to be a part of and once he's done that you know if he calls us to do something he equips us and so I've actually before anything else alongside the family and serving I think the ministry things I have been involved with and I'm still currently involved with I don't know serving is such a joy it gives you energy, you know, there's something about, you know, there's a scripture and it says, as you water others, you'll be watered. And over the years, whether it's been prison ministries or home education, working and with the um, homeschool association and working with families and through all these different things, because all of it is serving, I actually cannot explain it. I can't explain it. All I know is that when we commit our ways to the Lord. It says, you know, commit thy ways unto the Lord, trust also in him and he'll bring it to pass. In my instance, I can only explain that the sicker I've been in the past, the more I've committed to the Lord, the more energy he's given, the more purpose he's given and the more he's ordered, he's ordered my life. So I can't even take any credit for it. 
And I, I have to be honest, I don't know exactly what the full secret is other than just committing my way to the Lord and saying, Lord, you've called me to do this ministry or that ministry. He's given the strength, you know, for it. I don't know if that's an answer to your question. There's a scripture verse that you did mention that I will add that I am sure you are looking for. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give mm-hmm. you rest. And Absolutely. He said, you know, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So as you serve Him, what He gives you is that rest, that peace of mind. So mm-hmm. I guess that is it for you. On a matter of thanksgiving, if you could give God thanks for one person <laughs> that you have met. In your life, who would that be and maybe why? And in your case, I, I could give you an opportunity to, to mention more than one person, of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there is one family that was instrumental as a teenager. And I think this shows the importance also of youth ministry. And when adults realize the impact that they have on young people and on children, And it was when, again, I was around maybe late teens, 17, 18, and we had a pastor that came to our church. Um, His wife was from Denmark and he was from the UK and they had an amazing family. And what they did for us as young people is they would have weekly meetings and we would go to their home. And when we'd go to their home, I, I saw the book. Adventist Home in Living Colour. So the book Adventist Home talks about the Adventist family and the family really having this a powerful influence. And as I saw the family there, the wife and mother, she homeschooled the children, her two girls, and they had they followed the health message. She made amazing food. And um, just as a family, it really had an impact on me. And it was actually then and that scenario that first planted the seed to home educate and to homeschool my own children at the time obviously I had no children but I remember that seed being planted and saying I want to become a qualified teacher so that I can then homeschool my own children and that's where the seed was first planted and that was a family that was very instrumental I want to mention their name, um, the Butenko family, because they really, I don't think I've been ever able to thank them um, for the influence and the impact they had on my life. Also, there was another person that had an influence on me going into special education when I first started teaching. And that was one of my aunties who was in a special school. I personally couldn't understand why she was there because she was my perfect outgoing, friendly, wonderful auntie, but she had um, a hearing problem and sight problem. I'm not sure she was fully blind in one eye, but um, again, seeing her and seeing her journey, that also impacted me really greatly to understand that everybody has the opportunity to learn. Everybody has the opportunity and everybody has talents that's specific to them and nobody's excluded from learning so I wanted to be a part of um, individuals journeys where they could learn and grow and be the best person that God wants them to be and so she 
influenced me in a way that she probably doesn't even realize again now I need to start saying thank you to some people I think so like <laughs> so she um was very instrumental in that sense because that's why I particularly went into that branch of teaching um and then the overall teaching was because I wanted to homeschool my children later which to add I will say now we don't have to be qualified teachers um to teach our own children I do believe that God has appointed parents as the first teachers of children. I'm always, when I speak to many, many parents, um, mothers and fathers, you know, I remind them that they are called um, to teach their children and they are the first teachers. They're the ones that, uh, you know, have taught their children to walk and talk and all these different things. I'm going to just add two more people. Okay. Um, My mom, uh, my mom has been inspirational in my life. Um, whenever I've had an illness or a sickness, I look at my mum currently and she's an inspiration. I'll just mention sh- briefly that over 20 years ago, my mum had a stroke um, and the stroke left her in a wheelchair with the use of one arm or one hand, her right arm. But her mind is amazingly come back. And she is much stronger in the Lord now. As I said, she was a prayer warrior then and she is now. And she's very inspirational or inspiring to me because through the difficulty, she was in a coma. She was in intensive care for months, for, you know, for a couple of months. Then she was on the high high dependent unit for a while. She had surgery. She had brain surgery because of the aneurysm on her brain that caused her stroke. She had a very difficult journey over 18 months in hospital from intensive care to a high dependency unit to a specialist unit and then coming back to the local hospital um, the stroke unit and then uh, rehabilitated to go back back home and through it all and her journey and even as she is now in a wheelchair she is absolutely my inspiration because whenever I think of complaining or grumbling because I don't feel well or life is a bit difficult I look at her I had an Achilles injury about two years ago and I had to be on crutches and I was in a wheelchair and I remember sort of thinking, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. That seems to be my problem, you know. One of my greatest challenges is when I can't do what I need to do, I want to do, but the Lord teaches me humility and patience. And I remember um, I went to see my mom and she was just praising God and she was doing her daily prayerless time and she's always praising God and the Lord talks with her all day long from the smallest to the biggest thing and I just looked at her and thought Angela why are you complaining your mom is in a wheelchair she has been for over 20 years and she's praising God all the time stop complaining you know so she's definitely my inspiration you know and had a marked impact in my life there's more but I will leave it there (laughs) It's amazing the different sources of inspiration. And, you know, that is something I also found interesting whenever I got the chance um, back home. I don't get too much of that opportunity here. But when we went visiting those we considered to be shut-ins, they were always, you know, praising God. And after leaving, you were so encouraged. I can just see why you would be so inspired by your mom. The final question I would throw at you has to do with work, you know, despite all that we are doing, sometimes we tend to get a sense that, you know, there's something else that we can do, or there's an element that we can add. So is there anything that you feel God is 
calling you to do right now. So let's say you could start another ministry or you could enhance what you're currently doing. What would that be if you know you would start a new ministry and then who would it serve? Uh, that is such an interesting question. Remember, I've got like, I collect ministries. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, there is a ministry that we were doing for several years. In fact, 25 years, we were doing prison ministries. And this is something that the Lord encouraged me to start. And that came from another incident with a family member, again, when I was in my teens, when I got a letter from a family member who was in prison. And I remember the letter they sent. It's funny that this should have had the biggest impact, but I believe the Lord was planting a seed again. And it was a piece of paper that was folded. But when you opened it, like the outside, sorry, before you opened it, the outside had my name and address and on the back it had um, his address. But when you opened it on the inside, it was the letter. So it was one piece of paper. And I remember looking at this as I, and as I was reading his letter to me, I remember thinking, this is so sad, you know. But then I was thinking, I want to bring the gospel to those that are in prison because something just planted the seed. So the seed was planted then. It was about maybe 10 years uh, later that this came back to mind again to do prison ministries. I didn't know anyone that was in prison ministries. I didn't know anything about it. I just knew that people were in prison and it was an opportunity to witness. And so I approached the pastor at the time that we had and um, he finally said, oh, Angela, there's too much red tape. We don't want to go into that. And I remember thinking, oh, no, <laughs> you can't tell me no. When someone tells me no, I'll be like, when God has said yes, you know, and I just said, no, no, no. If God wants me to do this, I'm not going to accept that. There's got to be a way. And um, I just prayed at the time I was married, spoke to my husband and he graciously went with me, um, my husband, Joseph, he uh, went with me. We rang up the prison and said to them, can we speak to the chaplain and can we start prison ministries? And the chaplain said, yeah, come down. So we both went. I think my husband, a lot of the time would go along with me. He's like, oh, I've got to protect Angela. She's on another scheme. <laughs> you know, She wants to do something else. So we went down to the prison and he said, yeah, you can start come in here. Um, have you got a team? At the time, we didn't have a team. Praise God, we did get a team, went to church, and we had about eight people who joined our team. So the prison ministries started then. Uh, we went into three, between three and four prisons in the UK. And then over the years, in the last three years, so not including this last year, 2020, 2021, we went to Nigeria and we went to Moldova but interestingly enough we haven't been to a prison since 2020 and that was in Moldova where we went with about 14 other um, members across the UK and um, just this week actually I was thinking Lord what are you saying about prison you know we haven't physically been into a prison however we were able to send I think we counted um, over 200 boxes to the prisons in Moldova throughout the lockdown. Um, so although we couldn't literally go in, we were able to send items, particularly to the mother and baby unit, 
there were mothers in prison and their babies and toddlers were with them until the age of three. And we really wanted to, we just wept when we heard some of the women's stories. And so we really were helping them initially, but then we extended it to their family members, their other children and to other male prisons. So although that was something that we had been doing with a wonderful team in our church um, in Northampton Central and across the North England Conference, um, we've had amazing support from people like Pastor um, Ian Philpott, Pastor um, Alexandra Gutu, and then, you know, some of our team leaders like um, Elder Emmanuel. They've been amazing. We've just had an amazing team. Uh, working together and all coming together for this purpose. But one of the questions I did ask the Lord just this week was, Lord, what do you want to do about prison again? We haven't been physically in one again, um, in a prison since um, a year and a half. So that's probably the only thing to reignite, <laughs> um, to see how the Lord's going to lead with that. So we've had a different journey to the first 25 years of prison ministries. And I know it's been as much of a blessing but in a different way. So I'm just praying the Lord will direct in how he wants that ministry to go. Okay, so you haven't been in prison for almost... <laughs> I know that sounds... <laughs> yes. I must say thanks to you, um, Angela Woodburn. Our listeners or guest today has been Angela Woodburn. She's a principal of Remnant Preparators School UK Division as well as the Sunlight Rep for Europe, Africa, and the Middle East. Now, just before we go, do you have any parting words to share with our listeners? I think if I was going to say anything, I would just um, encourage all of our listeners to never give up on the Lord. Don't say this, the Christian walk is too difficult. It's just too hard. Jesus doesn't give up on us. He wants us to trust him. He loves us with an everlasting love. And with loving kindness has drawn us. And he doesn't want any of us to be lost and not to be with him for eternity. He will do anything to chase us down and bring us back. So when you hear that still small voice calling, say like Samuel, um, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And just be willing to lead wherever the Lord will lead, because um, he only has good and wonderful intentions for us. And he loves us all. And um, only he can give that peace and feel that longing and feel that gap um, that's in our hearts. Amen today. If you hear his voice, hard not your heart. You've been in tuned to Upward Way. Do join us again next week when we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. You can subscribe to weekly episodes on Apple, Spotify, and Listen Notes, or go to the App Store and download the AWR app. Until then, I am Marlon Walters saying goodbye. May God bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way Podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.